Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we're talking episode eight of Survivor 43, which is called Propostrous. Not preposterous. Propostrous. Which I thought was a spelling mistake when I saw the title of the episode. And I don't think that anybody said it, but the word appears painted on the tribe's raft. I think Cody wrote it. And I don't know if it's meant to be a pun or what, but it's wild that they chose this as the name of the episode. So there is a uh, quote-unquote must-see deleted scene from Entertainment Weekly that addresses this ah. very segment. The must-see is doing a lot of legwork there. Um, <laughs> Whatever like situation CBS and Entertainment Weekly have with regard to Survivor and like the monopoly, and I say monopoly like LOL because like who really cares? But it's like for a lot of listeners, I'm sure they're aware of this, but those that aren't, there's this writer Dalton Ross, um, who I won't comment on his capabilities as a writer here, but um, he is the sole like keeper of the keys of all things Survivor for Entertainment Weekly. So these quote-unquote, must-see deleted scenes are given to Dalton in which he sort of will take a moment, like a small moment, and write five paragraphs about it. So it'll be like, (laughs) Carla woke up and decided to go get tree mail, and we will get, like, the five-paragraph saga of, like, you know, wiping the sleep out of her eyes, which side of the shelter she tried to get out of. Um, It's just a... It's a thankless job, so on the one hand, I'm grateful that we have him and but there's another hand there's certainly another hand what <laughs> happened in the deleted scene i didn't like, watch did, it did he actually <laughs> i didn't pro- watch it i just <laughs> saw the headline <laughs> okay love that well, we'll, we'll unless that the deleted after. scene features Ca- uh, cassidy carla janine or noel um i don't think it's something that i need to tune into fair okay well, we are talking preposterous. Speaking of preposterous, how was Funny Girl? You saw Funny Girl last night with Leah Michelle. Mm, I did see Funny Girl with Leah Michelle. Um, can I just say this is a little bit of a humble brag, but like, if if not here, where? Um, but so I was messaging with her before the show because I was like, I'm finally coming, and I was obviously so excited to see her. And she responded, and she said, "Oh my God, enjoy the show. I tweaked my back this morning, so I might be limping a bit. LOL, but I'm so happy you'll be here." So that made me really excited. Um, I did not like the show um, at all. Um, I won't go into it too much, um, but I just think Funny Girl as like the written show is like, I would put it up there as one of the worst famous musicals of Mm. all time. So I'm not saying it's the worst musical, I'm saying of like the canon of great musical theater, I would put it very, very, very low. It is just such a, bad show i will use the word bad and last thing i'll say about this um the role of fanny bryce i know that like so many actresses out there are like this is the role and i'm like what exactly do you love about this role it's a very like dense or excuse me not dense no it's actually it's a very shallow 
role. The journey is very minuscule. Um, the song, People, the lyric is, people who need people are the loveliest people. It's like, can we get a rewrite here? Like, I just don't really understand Funny Girl <laughs> conceptually as like this like great piece of musical theater in comparison to, so Julie Stein, who wrote it, also wrote Gypsy, also wrote Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Mm. And then I keep saying last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, <laughs> I think, uh, Don't Rain on My Parade, I don't love it. I don't love it. I feel like you kind of have heard it enough. It, yes, it is a great song, but it is not a song that I'm like craving hearing again. And it is just so full throttle from the jump that there's no, there's just no in between. So it doesn't like ramp up. Like she's ramped from the get go. And it's like, no one was raining on her parade. They were just like, girl, we don't want you to leave your successful career behind for a man. Like they were doing the opposite of raining on her parade. They were like, T saying like, no, 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 you're leaving the parade and we want you to stay at the parade. Anyway, okay. So they're, they were playing the role of Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to bring it all back. They were definitely, they were, they were, they were Cassidy. So in that, in that, who is Fanny Bryce? Uh, Carla? I'm here for that. Yeah. All right. Okay, love that. Put her in Funny Girl. Is it true that Anna Wintour was there last night? She was there with Michaela Cole as her guest, which no. is funny because, yeah, so Billy and I were so starstruck by Michaela Cole. <laughs> and it was just funny because I have to say, last thing briefly, I'm sorry. Um, it was a very specific audience. And I think you might know what I mean in terms of like a lot of glee heads, if you mm. will. Right? So it's like a very generous audience in terms of you know, their enthusiasm. And so as you can imagine, that audience seeing Anna Wintour there kind of ma made people go like a little feral. And They're so during intermission, yeah. And so during yeah. intermission, people, like they had to have ushers come and stand in front of Anna to tell, to block people from taking photos and videos. I was just surprised in 2022 how like uncouth people were being around <laughs> a famous person. I thought we'd reached a point where like, there was that understanding of like the boundaries of fame. And like, sure, if you're across the street and you see them, you can take a photo. But like people were like really just like getting up in there, like screaming as she walked by. Um, I think that I think the what, pendulum has swung back the other way again because, and it's because of TikTok. Yeah. It's because if you um, can get that moment, then you're going to go viral. What I would like to know, though, is what Anna thought of the show. Like, that is what, and we'll never know, obviously, but I would be very curious. I know she's a great lover of um, Broadway. But yeah, um, it was just so odd to think, like, that people in this world don't, like, Michaela Cole is not a mainstream star just yet. And I was like, in my mind, having watched I May Destroy You, Chewing Gum, I obviously love her episode of Black Mirror, etc. I was just surprised that, she's not more famous. But I guess when you're, no matter your fame level, unless you're like Jennifer Aniston, when you're with Anna Wintour, Anna Wintour is always gonna trump. True. And I don't think, like you say, the Venn diagram of Leah Michelle fans overlaps a whole lot with Michaela Cole fans. Exactly. However, I would be in yeah. the middle there, of that there's, Venn there's diagram. A, there's a small overlap. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Fun night at the theater, seeing a bad show with a very talented actor. Okay, love that. Okay, well, let's talk Survivor because then <laughs> you had to rush home and watch episode eight of Survivor. What did you think mm -hmm. of this uh, proper like post-merge episode of Survivor? 
I just had a great time. I had such a great time watching this episode. I feel like this is the third episode in a row that I've really enjoyed. Speaking of pendulum swinging, I know it might come off a certain way that I'm like, well, everyone was saying that I'm really sour on the new season and I made a promise that I was going to be less negative and here I am being like, survivor. Um, but no, I'm really enjoying it and I definitely think the things I don't like um, are just getting less airtime, like for instance, Jeff. So I thought this was a really exciting episode, particularly in giving, there's a great amount of balance right now in feeling like every single person in this show, more or less, has an arc going. I understand where they're at in the game, what they're thinking about for their next move. There are these clear, alliances, but there's some wiggle room here, right? It's like we have this seven and there's this other four, but there's the possibility that either the seven implodes or the four brings two people over. Um, I just think there are a lot of exciting variables here and watching these alpha men team up, although it's frustrating right now, I think the payoff of watching that crumble, I can tell is going to be very satisfying. Mm. You say there's some wiggle room. I have to say there was some wiggles worth in the episode Hello. last Hello. night. <laughs> With a great shout out to Colby, Terry Dietz, and Kelly Wigglesworth. Yeah. Which, like, blew my socks off when I heard that. Yeah. That was exciting, especially the Terry Deeds. Yeah. Well, Jeff was like, wait, who are these people? I don't remember. Yeah. And then the producer like whispered in his ear and was like, this is from the, the, the show. Remember the show? <laughs> Yeah, I feel complicated a little bit about this episode because I actually thought that it was a pretty well-constructed episode and then the vote soured me so much. Uh, I was so disappointed by the way that the vote went after such an interesting conversation about whether they could get rid of Janine or Ryan and this very persuasive sort of speech from Cassidy about why it might be the right time to take out Ryan instead of Janine. And then that they just go with Janine anyway with such a huge majority that kind of was a letdown for me. And yeah. I, so I left the episode feeling like really down on it. And then I rewatched it this morning, as I do, and I sort of had to like check myself a little bit because there were things that, like when I left the episode last night, I was like, oh, this is so annoying. This huge majority is just like sticking to each other and they're sticking to their guns and they're going to continue to eliminate the like Baca minority here. And that's so boring. And then I'm rewatching it today and I'm like, wait a second. We sit here on this podcast complaining about how nobody's loyal, nobody sticks to alliances anymore, everybody's looking for a big flashy move, and like, okay, so now they're not doing that, and I'm going to complain about that, mm -hmm. so that's not fair. So I have to say, like, there is something about the construction of this episode that gave me, like, I don't want to say old school vibes, but like some sort of middle school vibe that's like, okay, these people are just living together, and there's a lot of conversation, Jeff pushing this conversation about, you know, building a society and building the rules that govern that society, which I think was a little bit of a stretch. But you know, we did, I felt like, get to tap into that a little bit in terms of seeing some camp life, seeing how everybody's interacting, getting a pretty good sense of where the alliances fall. And it's like, although it's a little more simple, say, than like 42 was in terms of the dynamics, uh, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I'm willing to like give it some space. Am I thrilled that there's only three women left in, uh, in, uh, with 10 people left in the game? No, not at all. But, uh, you know, 
I'm willing to see where this goes. And like you say, I have a good sense of who everybody is. And like, I'm more or less like, I like a good handful of them and I don't like a few of them. So I think that that's on paper a recipe for a good season. Yeah. To your point about the vote, I do feel like they're... They made it very obvious that it was Janine because when Sammy first presented this idea of like, well, we just need two people, you never saw any effort from Sammy to bring in the two people. It just became all of a sudden, let's bring everyone over to flip it to Ryan. So they sort of presented that his intention was, I want to stir things up. But really what he wasn't in execution, he wasn't stirring anything up instead of just being like, hey, I'm going to my alliance. And rather than backstabbing them, I'm trying to see if I can get my entire alliance to shift, not entire, the majority of my alliance to shift their vote. So with that in mind, it's like we never saw him attempt to, he went to everyone and was like, let's move it to Ryan versus like just going to Carla and Mm. one other person. So I felt like it was always going to be Janine. And I think it's easy when I watch a lot of these episodes when someone that I like, like a Janine goes out that I don't think is in strong contention to win. I'm always sort of like, well, this was the wrong move for them to make. And I do think it was the wrong move, but I also understand from, from their perspectives why they made this move. What's interesting to me is like you have this cast of very outspoken super fans of the game and this whole bringing seven people along and then having the civil war begin that's never ever worked in it won't work and it's just odd that that's such a large number right it's like if you're gonna do seven people you can do a voting block for a period sure but the idea that these intelligent seven players, on oh, I should say, on various levels of intelligence, um, but these intelligent seven players, the fact that like they were not only like thinking about this strategy, but all of them seem to be like actually committed to it, minus Sammy, but also Sammy in practice is being loyal to this seven. Although, yeah, in the end, yeah, they were. So mm-hmm. I, I just think it's strange that it seemed like the that going after those four free agents was like, that seems like the most obvious thing to do. And it, I would think it would be like, who can who can get them first? That to me is like what I thought the game would be. So to that end, I do, to your point about it feeling like older school or you know whatever we characterize as old school, um, I agree with you there in that I feel like it, it was like, it was uh, oddly not twist heavy. Um, and yeah, we complain about... So yes, I, 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 I vibe with what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Sammy a little bit because this one's an interesting one. Like, I just... I th- I've said it before on this podcast. I'm not the biggest fan of the Sammy archetype. and But here he is in this really interesting position where it's like he has managed to vote with the majority alliance twice at this point when the episode opens and yet still have the trust of his Baca allies plus Noel. So he's like, like we see him talking to Janine and Noel and Owen and being like, Hey, like, sorry, I did this again, but like, just so you know, it was the best thing to do. And he manages to talk himself out of that, like pretty easily. It seems like, so Sammy, I feel like is really getting set up with a possible winner edit and we like there was even this speech that he gave in this episode about like winning the game and i just feel like every time we see him it's always 
all positive. It, he's never in the wrong. And I felt like in this episode in particular, just demonstrating sort of like that he could weasel his way into this majority alliance and have some say in it. I mean, like people are taking him seriously and they're not questioning his sort of like double agent status at all on on either side, either the Baca Alliance or the Seven. Um, I just, I'm, I'm a little confused by it that, that nobody's picking up on it, but also like it's, I feel like it's signaling to us that he's going to do really well. But I think this all comes down to the fact that if they knew he was 19, it's because of the 22-year-old <laughs> line. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think one of the odd things, too, is like, why did no one target Sammy? You would think that if you're going to start chopping off this seven, and Sammy is the one that has two clear ties to the other four, having come... Um, from a tribe with Janine and with Gabler, um, it would make the most sense to go after someone who is a challenge threat and who has more relationships built out as clearly Sammy does. You would think the six within that seven would get together and say, hey, we don't need these numbers, right? We don't need to have a seven on four. We're fine with a six on four. We can look at someone like, look at people like Janine, for instance, and, and Gabler even and say, they're not really going to be challenge threats. Um, I'm surprised that Sammy wasn't even in contention yeah. uh, as a possible person to take out. It's really Especially odd that it... I was gonna say it's just it's really odd that it was so like clear headed that it had to be Janine from like everyone, and it's like no one was like what like what was their thought process here? She doesn't have an idol. She's been outside of the vote every single time. Like. I'm I'm surprised, and also just like from the human compassion perspective, I'm surprised too that there wasn't just more of like, listen, she's really down right now. She's not coming for any of us, so I think we can kick the can down down the alley. Yeah, not to, not to call Janina can. No, the act of voting her out is a can. right, right, right. And I wish it was canned, but. <laughs> It's odd that they didn't go for Sammy, like you say, because he's the person who, like, the episode opens with Cody being, like, surprised that Sammy had joined in on the vote. And he's like, I guess Sammy's part of this alliance now. And then later in the episode, he's the one going to that alliance and being like, hey, what if we voted someone out from the alliance? Like, what if we voted Ryan out? Typically, I feel like that should raise alarms that uh-oh, I don't know if Sammy was the right person to let into this group. And so maybe he's the one to cut because we're still cutting a Baca. We still have like a huge majority. We don't need him. And he's like causing some problems here. And nobody picked up on that, which I think is odd. Right. And then we also got that scene later when Sammy was talking, I think it was to Gabler and Janine and James walked up behind them. No, sorry, mm -hmm. it was Owen and Janine. Um, and James walked up behind and there was no consequence to that whatsoever yeah. because you would think if you're James and this is a vote where it obviously seems a little bit like an easy vote, like we're a seven, we're all locked in, but you have to imagine you're playing a game of Survivor. Things can change at any moment. If you're James and you walk up on the three of them having like a private conversation ahead of the vote, I think that would make me, you know, weary at the very least, if not think, okay, something's going on here. I mean, what would, what would the three of them possibly be having to talk about, you know, back here in the woods together? I was surprised that that did not come up at all. Yeah, totally. I really thought there was going to be a big blowout from that. Let's talk about Janine's idol, B. 
because obviously this was a big talking point last week that Dwight went home with Janine's idol in his pocket. Well, it turns out that was not the case. We got a big uh, blindside here for the audience where we find out that at the last minute, Dwight gave Janine's idol to Jesse. And Jesse reveals that now he's holding on to both Janine's idol and to Cody's idol still. He hasn't given it back. Uh, what did you Which make was like a strange this? detail to insert because it's not like Cody's for, yeah. I think it's like he just hadn't gotten it back yet. It, like, the way yeah. he presented that was though like Cody might forget that I have his idol. Yeah. And it's like Cody's just not like the Gabler might ball, forget but... his idol was good for a second. Exactly. Um, I, I mean, I think that modern survivor loves this sort of goop. They love the sort of like you, we've done a thing that you couldn't possibly have imagined. Uh, I think what is unclear about it was what the motivation would have been from Dwight. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I can rationalize is that they all went to Dwight ahead of time and said, you are going home. Um, but then it's like, if they did that, why wouldn't he use the idol on himself? Yeah, It's just from Dwight's perspective, you get the idol from Janine, you're just holding on to it. What would be the rationale... I guess in his mind, no, I can't think of any reason why Dwight would give up the idol. So the only reason I can think is that somehow, perhaps, Dwight may have gotten the idea that James knew he had Janine's idol. Because the whole point of hiding the idols was to hide them from the knowledge's power. And so if Dwight got a sense at all or got a little bit paranoid that maybe James had seen the transfer of the idol or something like that uh, or that he would think that maybe like Cody would give his idol to Dwight that Dwight didn't want anything on him in case the knowledge's power was played that's the only rational explanation in my opinion but like why not get that explanation also wouldn't Janine be present for that? Because wouldn't it be a move that, in theory, they're making together? Like it, it at the if this all went to plan, I, I don't know. So in, in Dwight's mind, I'm guessing. So he, in, from Dwight's perspective, he knew Janine was going home, so he knew she, blah blah blah. And so in his mind, did he think he would give the idol to over to Jesse and then? get it back like it's like he was giving up the idol and that like i just it doesn't make sense well no he didn't think that janine was going home who did you think was going home uh they vote so that was a vote split between i think they had that alliance had split their votes between james and ryan i think so in that so moment, they were hoping Dwight's, one of those two were going to go home. So Dwight's making a decision that's not in any way betraying Janine. He thinks that yeah. this is like this is the better way to protect Janine's idol. I think so. Okay. Again, I'm just confused why it wasn't Janine who was like actually I, like it, the fact that it was Dwight's decision is unusual, being that it's it's Janine's decision ultimately, or or, or in theory, maybe he felt like by letting Jesse hang on to this, he would curry more favor with Jesse because maybe he's like feeling on the outs with his old tribe and Jesse mm -hmm. and Cody. And so to say like, hey, Janine gave me this thing. Do you want to hang on to it? That it's maybe like a token of trust. I don't know. I don't I'm know. not, I'm not trying to be a conspiracist and I, but like, there's just something a little unusual yeah, about agreed. this. Like, and like, why show us the flashback if you're not going to tell us what happened? 
Right. It's like not justified in any way. Also, just in terms of the rules here. So obviously, no, you can't steal an idol. But so, but Janine didn't give the idol to. Oh, yeah, she did. No, I'm saying she didn't give the idol to Jesse. Well, it wasn't her idol to give anymore. She gave it to Dwight. So, so once you, so it's like whoever you give it to the, okay. So it's like a pack. Yeah. Okay. Which is why you get these like arguments sometimes about like, are, when are you giving me the idol back? I see. Because, because once you've handed it to somebody possession. and you're like, this is now in your possession, it is now, they are the owner of that idol. Okay. So yeah. Just, I mean, like, I think- just like how Dwight could have like, if he has still had the idol, he could have pulled it out and played it. It was his idol to play. He didn't need Janine's permission if he wanted to play it, if he had it at that tribal council and got the feeling he was going to get voted out. Once it's in your possession, once it's been handed over, sort of like officially from person to person, you hold this, that is their idol. Okay, I guess just, yeah, I mean, clearly a little bit confusing, but ultimately what I think is missing here is in order to stick the landing of this like huge reveal, and then especially if they're going to show us this footage, they need to put all the pieces together and they didn't. So while I think this was a masterful play on Jesse's part and positions him really well in the game moving forward, it's just unclear why this this rationale was reached. Yeah, agreed. I would be curious if this would come up at all in any of Janine's exit interviews, if she was privy to this in any way. Yeah, very curious about that. And I know that I was listening to the know-it-alls last night and Rob was very upset that Dwight, that he had asked Dwight what happened to the idol and that Dwight didn't give an honest answer. So we'll Well, see what Janine has to say. I thought Dwight did give an honest answer. I thought that he, Rob asked him if the idol, if the idol was no longer, if he, uh, fuck, I can't remember now. I thought he did give an honest answer. I think he was like tricky in his wording where it was implied that the idol was out of the game. But it wasn't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. As in, I think the answer was no, Janine didn't get her idol back. Right. I that's that exactly. So he didn't lie. Which is not wrong. Right. No. So I think that, yeah, <laughs> I think Rob was frustrated with himself for not wording right. the question differently. But yeah. Dwight told, I think if anything, Dwight was. Uh, I think the producers probably went in ahead of Dwight's exit interviews with him and were very clear on the perimeters of what he could and couldn't say. Although I think there'd be something fun about like coordinating all this more and like having Dwight like reveal, like I I think you could plant seeds from Dwight in Mm -hmm. exit interviews, then call up Dalton Ross because Dalton Ross is is free and uh, have him write a piece being like, there was a, what could be a spoiler on the episode where it's like, I think you could thread this all together. Yeah, totally. Uh, I do think that it's interesting that Dwight didn't say anything to Janine on his way out because that's not illegal. You can totally say to somebody, hey, Jesse has your idol. And I think it's interesting he didn't do that. I wonder why. I wonder if he was just like flustered or if that was a decision he made. Like, why protect Jesse? Is Dwight on the jury? No. So we haven't even met a jury member yet. Janine will be the first jury member, I believe. Okay. Okay. Uh, There's also a little bit here about the majority seven before we get to the challenge. And maybe it's worth talking about that a little bit because uh, I think we know who they are. They're Jesse, James, Cassidy, Carla, Cody, Sammy, and Ryan. So those are the ones. And there's this conversation between them 
where they talk about like, wouldn't it be just great if we just stuck together? Like why there's no need to create chaos. Seven is great. Let's just get to seven and go from there. Which, as you said, I feel like is a big number to just like commit to. I'm happy for seven. Well, but outside of that, the so wait, if I'm okay, so there's the Carla Cassidy James who came from the same mm-hmm. tribe, and, Ryan. and then and then is there another three? Because Sammy's so, the only one from his tribe. Cassidy, Carla, James, and James. Ryan from Coco. Oh, so there's four. Yeah, from Coco. So it's four, two, one. Yeah. So that is what's so odd to me. So then shouldn't the three, Sammy, and then who are the other two? Sammy and then Cody and Jesse. So shouldn't Sammy, Cody, and Jesse link up with the four on the outskirts? It's just odd. Again, like, if you're going to do a big seven, you would think it'd be more of, like, a 3-2-2 two, two, yeah. or, like, there'd be more padding in here. But it's, like, from those threes' perspective, and again, too, this is the... We're very new into the merge. So I think one thing that was interesting about this episode was, like, You know, just you have that cutaway shot, for instance, of Janine and Noelle embracing. And you really got a sense of, like, these dynamics and the fact that, like, everyone, this is a one big family, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, these people really don't know each other that well, um, especially in a 21 or 26-day game. So with all that in mind, it's like the fact that they were so chill with this seven and not even, you know, gaming out the possibility that, well, what if these four... And also, if you're thinking, here they are being like, we'll do the final seven, and then at that point, we all, who you know, may the best person win. But it's like, yeah, but you get down to the final seven, and you have these four people that were mm-hmm. in an alliance from the beginning, and hello, like, we've all seen Cook Islands. Like, we we know what happens when a tribe of four stays together. Uh, it's, again, like, aren't you guys super fans? Aren't you people The fans? complicating factor here, though, I think, is that they are not a tight four. I think what we have is a tight two of Carla and James, and then we have a tight two of Cody and Jesse. And then th- even that would be fine because two of those could link up with whoever. But the, the complicating factor here is that Jesse and Carla are really close. And we had Jesse in the last episode saying, I'm actually closer to Carla now than I am with Cody. Right. But again, this is they've known each other for a few days. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, too, like, yes, I, I, I know what you're saying, but they, the, that four, whether or not they're tight, also from the perspective of Jesse or the people, those three on the outskirts of this seven, they don't know that, you know, mm-hmm. or and even if they're told that they don't know whether or not they can believe that these are yeah, four true. people that have been playing the game together from the outset. Again, if nothing else, Jesse should, or the, these three should just be suspect of this final seven yeah. because the numbers just, you know, on paper, the numbers are not in their favor. Yeah. That's that's my one big complaint is that we have not gotten any kind of breakdown on what the internal dynamics of this huge alliance are. If they're truly going to stick together, we need to figure out, okay, what are the subgroups? What are the other layers of the onion in this uh, mm. onion alliance? <laughs> okay. What was what were we watching where someone talks about peeling the onion and they were like, oh, it's Caper Land. She has in in her in her and John Early special, she has this moment where she's being interviewed by Meredith Vieira and she's like, you know, we kind of just had to like learn how to like peel back the onion. She's like, I think I'm coming up with this term right now. I don't think I've ever heard it before, but <laughs> it's just so funny. It's like she thinks that she's discovered the idea of the onion being peeled back. It's like Alexandra Burke thinking that she brought the elephant in the room, the phrase to the UK. 
wait, really? Yeah, do you know this one? Oh, I'll no. send you the video. She's on like a morning show and she's like, she she had this song on her album of so something about an elephant in a room. And she's like, yeah, it's actually really interesting. Like, that's a phrase from America and I'm the first one to bring it to the UK. And everyone just dragged her because they were like, that is totally a phrase here. Good for her. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the challenge. Uh, there's a couple things I'm like skipping over here. We get, uh, because there's there's a backstory for Owen. Uh, about growing up um, adopted and feeling like he was out of place, and now he feels like he's out of place again on Survivor. And then there's also a backstory for Ryan, where, by the way, Ryan looks so hot fishing. And I wish the shorts were coming down more. I feel like I just know. like really it's like going stable. Under- Sammy's in his underwear. Yeah, so that's... Ryan, go in your... Like, we've the, seen and the shorts in the underwear, never and it's, it's good. So. Yeah. Well, can we pause on the Owen backstory briefly? Yeah, sure. I felt like this was one of the least shoehorned backstories that we've gotten um, mm. because it was really relevant to he, he not the show, tied his past into the present and brought up the fact that his current position within the tribe is giving him flashbacks to mm. the ostracization, ostracization, right? Ostracization. Um, ostracization. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's giving him flashbacks to that time in his life. And I also think... That perspective um, of an adopted person who does not have the same nationality or ethnicity as their parents is extremely interesting, something we don't see a lot. Um, We don't hear, when I say we, I mean just the general public. It's, It's a really interesting story about this idea of like, having this family, but feeling other than your own family. And I, I think it was very relevant to the episode. And I also just think Owen throughout this episode really bloomed and created a, I really felt for Owen throughout this episode, but not in a, I, he wasn't being a martyr at all. Like he was, he he clearly wants to play this game and wants to find his footing, is out of the votes. Whereas like with Janine, there's a little bit of this quality of like, you're making bad decisions so often, aligning yourself with the wrong people that like, there's an inevitability of like, Janine, you just weren't playing a good game. With Owen, I feel like there's that willingness to make big moves and to reshuffle the deck and he's just trying to figure out how. Um, And I just thought it was really triumphant. In comparing Gabler's win last week in the challenge to Owen's win this week in the challenge, this to me felt a lot more earn. Like I was really, really proud of Owen and I thought Mm -hmm. it was really cool that he... I could sense when he was like, I really, after James made that comment to me, I that like sort of, you know, put the battery pack in him. Um, I saw that and I, I don't know, Owen really emerged for me in this episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a great episode for Owen. Uh, the other backstory we got was about Ryan, which like we've literally gotten this backstory from him before. And then to tie it into like fishing and Fiji, I was just like, I'm not seeing the thread isn't being fully like followed here. Yeah, I also feel like this was an example of, and again, because I just watched Pearl Islands and it's fresh in my mind, there's so much time dedicated to watching Rupert Fish. And they have this moment in the episode where where it says that Ryan caught, like, what was it, 26 fish? 21. 21. Look at you. I I knew you'd have that. Um, Drop the two, keep the one. 
It's literally like show us the footage and put the, the clock in the bottom and like uh, the, not the clock, you know, you put the counter in the bottom of yeah, the screen. Yeah, like yeah. there's just such an opportunity there. No doubt the camera is out with him during one of these fishing trips. And it's like, let's watch him succeed at this. It's really interesting from a storytelling perspective. And I thought it was strange too how they were trying to set it up as though like he's providing for us. Um and Carla's like, but he should be back here making relationships. But like Everyone knows that like the best, if, if you're going to have any excuse for being away, that that's a very good excuse. Like he's out there providing. And so if, if, you know, thinking about this from Ryan's perspective, he thinks he's in a good position. So he absolutely should be going out and providing. Um, and it's strange to me too, that there wasn't more weight put into the fact of like, if Ryan is providing, that is a good reason to keep him around. Like that's, especially when we're talking about, how everyone's really starving here. Um, I thought it was strange that that wasn't like put into consideration where they're like, no, Ryan wouldn't be the right person if not Janine, because the fact that he is providing is relevant, is important. And it's not just that he's providing, but it's like, he is not a strategic threat whatsoever. Like this is a guy who at tribal council earnestly says, I, I don't think we have to start playing the game yet. Let's just enjoy where we are. And like, that's the kind of person I want to play with. Like, there is no threat that Ryan is going to like backstab me. Uh, like he seems very genuine and I just feel like why is he the target? Like I I just think like maybe Sammy could have pulled this off possibly if he went for James who has this right. knowledge is power advantage and uh, has a lot more sway in the direction of the alliance that that's the kind of person you might want to target but ryan is just like not a threat it seems he's he's one providing food and two nobody's worried about him right and he's also clearly like a loner um which is something that i don't think is is something you need to go after at this point i'm surprised again going back to the sammy thing sammy and cody clearly have this uh burgeoning bro bond and it's like why is no one wanting to separate these two mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's go to the immunity challenge because before we get to immunity, we get Jeff's favorite game, The Negotiation for Rice, which <laughs> really takes place in a wild way here where he it's no longer a negotiation. He tells them, because in 41 and 42, he said, like, let's negotiate for rice. Like, what are you willing to do? Who's willing to step out of the challenge? And they have this negotiation they're like well what if two of us did it and he's like no no no, i want eight or whatever he said and they and they eventually landed on four in both 41 and 42 four people step out of the game here he says well as everybody knows the going rate for rice is five people sitting out of the game and uh that that's news i think to them and to us so now it's five and he's telling them i am not going lower than five they offer four he won't take it and he says, if you don't do it today, then tomorrow it's going to be more people. I mean, snore. The way I would like to see this retooled is over here on this table, we've got burgers, hot dogs, fries, margaritas, etc. You can sit out of the challenge right now, snack on this for the entire duration of the challenge, or you can play on the challenge. They've done versions of this in the past. I think it's that much smarter. I think that whenever you do something like this that's sort of... Uh, around the whole tribe getting something, these people are able to seem like heroes for stepping out uh, versus selfish people because 
it was framed as though like they're making a big sacrifice, although a lot of them were never even, if not all of them, mm -hmm. were never in contention to go home. I think this could have worked out better in a different season when you didn't have this solid block of seven. But it's just, there's it, there's so clearly uh, a majority alliance right now that if it's only five people sitting out, it was fine. On top of that, that majority seven alliance people has options. I mean, we saw this play out. Because Owen won, they'll just go to the next person. Mm -hmm. The stakes aren't high enough at this point to make something like this interesting. And that's why I really like the have them eat right now um, because it at least gives us something interesting to look at because at the end of the day, uh, in a season that seems like they're just, you know, uh, really uh, eating well, although Gabler's losing weight and Janine is definitely uh, skin and bones at this point, um, it just doesn't seem like, like get it, getting them rice doesn't seem particularly exciting from the audience perspective. Yeah, certainly not. And we don't even like, maybe we get a shot of them eating rice, but it doesn't make a difference to the TV show. I'm sure it makes a difference living there, but it doesn't make a difference for the audience. I did think it was interesting that James, when you know they had four people step forward and James is like, Owen, you're protected. Why don't you step forward? Like, that's a little heavy handed. What makes Owen think he's protected by James? Yeah, wild. I thought that was a, a weird move from James. I am like, very, a little, it's a little very... cocky. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm very curious to watch James's game moving forward. I do not think James will make it too much further because I think there's a fast and loose quality with which James is playing the game. And from James's perspective, he's in a good position, right? He has, he is the majority alliance within the majority alliance. Uh, and, and he's arguably at the top of his majority alliance. Um, but as we know, having watched 42 seasons of this show, that's not a great position to be in, especially as the numbers start to dwindle. Yeah, totally. If anything, so, well, can we pause real quick? Can we do like yeah. a Carla check? Yeah. I just feel like Carla's in such a good position right of now. Of course. In addition to the fact that I think she's just playing a great game, seems to have great bonds with people. And additionally, I think that the ramifications of, of Cassidy's comment about the women going out will affect the votes moving mm -hmm. forward. So although Agreed. it's disappointing that we got Janine out, I do think there would be a mindfulness for these next few votes at the very least to try and even the playing field. And I do think the women would have a really strong argument moving ahead. So in addition to the fact that I think Carla's set up for success, regardless of that, that's just some additional padding. And if Jesse is going to tell anyone about that idol, I feel like it will be Carla. Not to say mm -hmm. he's going to, but I just feel like you get the sense that because Jesse's tribe, he never really, didn't seem like he really had strong like one-on-one -on -one bonds. Um, like him and Cody are, I definitely think Cody's moving more towards Sammy at this point. That could just be my imagination or like mm. how I'm, how I'm, how I'm, you know, seeing it in my head. But I definitely feel like Jesse can move closer to Carla. And uh, I'm just really excited as we get less people to, um, to, to turn our attention toward, I'm excited to be directed more towards Carla. Carla, yeah. star of Funny Girl. <laughs> yes. Fanny yes. Bryce. Yes. And I have to say, I loved Carla's uh, fashion moment here in the challenge where she's sitting out and she has her sleeveless blazer draped mm -hmm. over her head like she is, uh, well, I'm stealing this from a tweet, but like she is Mother Teresa of Calcutta out there on the island. 
it was a great look. Loved that. So <laughs> the challenge itself, I enjoyed the challenge actually. Yeah. Like I like these, I like these endurance challenges. Yeah. Of huge pull. Just hold on to it. So I think this one's particularly fun because the the structure that the ball sits on has those small mm-hmm. sides on it. And I feel like often we get these challenges where when they do stuff like this, you're sort of like, this is just impossible. But yeah. what was great about this challenge is the tip, you can lean your pole quite a bit and still be fine because the ball will be pressing up against that small edge. So I felt like this was, I, I liked that aspect of the challenge and I thought it was fun. I didn't think that sometimes, uh, they did a couple of those things I don't like where they do those fake outs where it's like you mm. think the person, and then they've done the fake outs so many times that I know now that when it looks like someone's unsteady, they're fine. So I feel like they could fix, I, I just wish there were more wide shots. Like, Well, like we I loved that both. one of, I think it was Ryan, because Ryan was resting it against his forehead, right? Right. And then there was one point where he adjusts and his whole pole just like, and that was a wide shot, just yeah. like flops to the other side, but he was still in it. Right. No, that was great. Yeah, um, that. Uh, but again, this is one of those challenges where you just don't need Jeff. Like, we're clear on the rules. We can, as soon as the ball falls, it's over. We're good. And I just, I think this is one of those moments of like, I mean, obviously I know you need Jeff at the challenge. I, I don't have the workaround thought through, but <laughs> I found Jeff to be not his worst. I, I definitely think Jeff is, Jeff is at his worst in like a really action-packed challenge yeah. because he gets overly excited. So at least he was more subdued, like which is the better version of Jeff if, if we have to choose. Um, but I still found the sort of like commentary throughout just so deeply unnecessary. Um, not as unnecessary as Tribal Council, which we'll get to, but still I did not find Jeff to be a, a, a recipe for success for the challenge. I didn't even notice him in this challenge, to be honest, until Owen won and Owen made some comment about like, oh, you, this is this is such a great moment for me or something like that. Or what is my life? Well, he said, what is my life? And Jeff goes, now walk me through that. Walk me through that. We did get a voicemail about this and I don't have it handy, but someone was like, I hate that phrase. Walk me through that. What mm-hmm. does that mean? Um, and, and like on one hand, I agree, but on the other hand, what that gave us was Owen saying, I, you know, I watched, I watched Colby, I watched Terry Dietz, I watched Kelly Wigglesworth win, and now I'm here winning. And like that, that I like, that I can relate to, you know, um, because like same, if I was out there, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm, I am Kelly Wigglesworth right now. And that's all any of us want. Okay. So. With Owen winning when apparently he really needed it because the conversation we got before the challenge was that, well, Owen's Owen's out. That, that's that's our next target. So uh, with Owen winning, basically uh, the a majority decides very quickly that it's time to get uh, Janine out. And so we see all of the majority seven go around to each other and confirm, yeah, it's going to be Janine. Um, it's interesting. I think the first person we see say Janine is actually Gabler. Well, I was going to say, it's funny because also at one point they're talking to Noel and mentioning Janine. Mm-hmm. So as this is one of those things where it's like, is it a seven or is it just like, mm. it's sort of just everyone's trying to be in the majority at this point. If push came to shove, perhaps it would be the seven, but you get the sense that like both Gabler and Noel are more in the loop than out of the loop. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think the, the, the borders are not so uh, tight on this seven. 
where <laughs> like it's like build the wall seven like we've got <laughs> noel coming in here we get got sarah lacina in, in there and build the wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay bring neca back bring neca back <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I was thinking about recently? I bet you Mike White loves Sarah Lucina. And the reason I say that is because I've been thinking a lot about this current season of White Lotus and like what is the Mike White, you know, special sauce. And I think part of that is sort of creating these the complexity of people that are both awful that do good things, right? This idea that uh, the couple, the Theo James and mm-hmm. uh, Megan Fahey, or however you say her last name, like that couple is like clearly very shallow, they don't vote, but then they share this story about the difficult uh, time that they had giving birth and it sort of humanizes them. I just think Mike's all about sort of portraying the idea, good people do bad things, bad people do good things. But I think he's more interested in the bad people doing good things, mm. which I think is the lesser seen, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of archetype. And Sarah Lucina is just such a great example of like someone who is, deeply problematic uh, out of the game because of their their political affiliate. I wouldn't even call them political because it's, it goes deeper than politics. Uh, but uh, but is really great at Survivor and then is has moments where, she, you know, especially with like the Zeke coming out, uh, where she really surprises you. And I, so anyway, I just was thinking about that recently where I was like, Sarah is such a, such a Mike White character IRL. That put that in the document for the Mike White interview, which may or may not ever happen. <laughs> okay, so everything seems fine. The Janine is going to go home. It's actually so good that Ryan is like, well, we spent 10 minutes talking about Janine. It's done. I'm going fishing for three hours. Oh, can we pause here to be like, Ryan, you had this same thought pattern just a few episodes ago when you were blindsided. Wouldn't you maybe at least pause for a moment and consider the fact that if not, not necessarily even that it might be you, but just that you might not know exactly what's going on based off of, I don't know, a few days ago, like when Mm -hmm. similar fate, like odd that we didn't even get that as a consideration. Yeah, totally. I, I just don't think that Ryan's that good at the game. I don't think like. I think people like him and like he, he'll stick around maybe, but I don't know that that, that doesn't make you good at the game. But that doesn't make you bad at the game. I mean, this it doesn't make ba- you bad. I'm just saying he's not good. Yeah. He's definitely not good, but this goes back to that age old question of like, does so-and-so deserve to win when we say, well, if you win survivor, then you deserve to win survivor. I could co- kind of see something similar. If Ryan is able to move through the rest of the game being perceived as this sort of just like, you know, big himbo um, who doesn't really factor into any of like the strategic game. I still think that that retrospectively is a strategy, even if it's not one that's done with great purpose, it's still a strategy. Well, and if he has a strategy, it's like, it's like we have a majority, like don't fuck it up, stick to this. We have somebody easy to pick off and guess what? That's what happened. So maybe I'm taking it back. Ryan won this episode. So, <laughs> but then Sammy wants to blow it up. Sammy's the first one we see trying to blow this plan up. And he's like, maybe we can get Ryan out. And he's, uh, he's going around and campaigning for this a little bit. I think it's interesting that he's so without abandon approaches people and starts talking about this, like to, to talk about with this with like Carla, for example, it's like, 
How do you know how Carla feels about Ryan to be like throwing out a name? Right. Because there's a, like I said, this could so easily backfire on you. Right. There's a world in which it's like he mentions this to Carla. Carla gathers the other five and is like, listen, Sammy's, you know, at least putting out the idea of flipping. We need to band together the six, the six of us and go after Sammy. But you, I don't know. I think because clearly Sammy felt either ingratiated enough. Uh, I mean, he, it, it, yeah, it, it, it was a risky move on his part to sort of put it out there. But I also am curious the parts of the conversation we didn't see. Like, is there a world in which it's like he's just gaming out all of the various options yeah. and they're just having that conversation of like, well, what if we went after blah, blah, blah. So yeah. always hard to know in these moments, but like, you know, Carla's response was not one of like great shock and we didn't get that confessional that we sometimes get right away where it's like the other person being like, you shouldn't have told me that. Um, yeah. But yes, to your point, risky on Sammy's part, but it's clear that like Sammy comma uh, 22 comma 19 uh, wants to rile things up but right now it's a lot of bark and not a lot of bite because it's like sure everyone wants to come into the game and make big moves but like all he's doing is really talking about big moves that weren't actually made and also if you gather all the troops to make said big move it's not your move anymore so it's like the big move is like you needed to gather one other person or wait was it one or two would be him four five. I think they two. needed two. Yeah. Okay. So it's like that's the big move is you corralling to. But like again, what he was doing was not. It wasn't big move territory. Yeah. Well, they had a potential for two as well. Like Carla seemed open to the idea, uh, both to Sammy and in confessionals. So she seemed open to the idea. And then Cassidy was all about the idea. And this is where we get. I I have to eat crow a little bit because Cassidy did this tweet last night before the episode aired where she said that she was Is Cassidy listening to Drop Your Buffs? Like I don't at this point it's hard to say. So, I'm feeling so, I'm feeling like this tweet was at me and I like we ha- I have this one-sided like death rivalry with Cassidy on Twitter ever since uh-huh. she stole my tweet. Um she doesn't care. But the fact that she tweeted, I'm giving full mother energy for y'all on tonight's episode. Uh-huh. And I don't know, like, I like you can't just say mother in 2022 and not mean it in the way that we're using it. But also the pictures are her hugging someone and her cooking. So like, I like it seems like, like if she, you yeah, she was the giving lower case the tweet, mother. She's talking yeah. about I'm giving mom energy. Yeah. But she said, I'm giving full mother energy. Like, that is so, a specific phrase, you know? So, yeah. So, right now, we're aware of two 43 players that listen, right? Well, I, I'm only aware of one, for sure. Okay. Like, James you, follows us. I'm pretty sure Carla listens. Okay. If you are a Survivor 43 contestant, obviously, we know you are bound <laughs> in terms of you're not able to talk to us just yet. But can you... Can you give us a bat signal of some kind letting us know that you listen for yeah. for reasons? Yeah, just I, hey, like uh, like like a post or like like the story. You don't even have to like the post. Nobody can see that you liked a story, but just like a story. And uh, I'll keep my eye on that. Or send us an emoji. Of your choosing. <laughs> so Cassidy tweeted this and I was like, oh, like, please. 
please, you are not giving any energy tonight. And then ultimately, she did give mother energy because she gave this really great speech about uh, uh, to James about like, why aren't we taking out Ryan? I'm sick and tired of this. Like, what is this plan to bring strong guys to the end? You really think that's going to win you a million dollars? I'm fed up with voting women out. I know that like, this isn't some planned attack on women, but it's starting to not look so great. And it's starting to not feel so great as a woman. So like, can we not just take out a guy right now? And like, we can get Janine later, like not worried about Janine. Let's just do this. And I thought it was a very convincing speech. Me too. Uh, Obviously, James didn't buy it at all. But I really appreciated hearing this from Cassidy. I appreciated it. And I liked the fact that she brought Carla into it to sort of like give her the backup. And Carla did affirm her in that moment. um, Because there's a way in which a woman in a situation like that can feel very gaslit because it's a majority of men and they could easily through private conversations make it feel like, you know, you're making this about gender when these votes have nothing to do with that, blah, blah, blah. I like the fact that Carla was there to be like, no, I agree with you. Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) things went the way they went. But as I said, I think sometimes with this game, not sometimes, always, it's always about the long game. And I do feel like we're in a better position moving forward. Um, And Janine, kind of like Ellie, was one of those players where it's like, I was rooting for them, but they never were going, like they never were doing anything to put themselves in a good position. So it was never going to go well. I mean, there could have been a world in which Janine coming out of last week maneuvered, but like, I just don't think she had the strategy in her. The fact that she was keeping her conversations, it seemed contained to Sammy and Owen. If I were Janine at that point, I'm like jumping ship. I'm like, Mm. fuck my old tribe. I'm rogue now. I'm a vote. Do with me what you will. Mind you, being how things are playing out with this majority seven, it wouldn't have mattered. But if still, if you're Janine, I'm out there. I'm making final twos with Jesse. I'm, you know, I'm just out and about trying to reposition myself. And Janine seemed just so defeated that it wasn't going to go anywhere. So part of me, as unfortunate as it is to see another woman go out and see Janine go out, because I did like Janine and I was curious to see about what this relationship with Noelle was going to bring. I still feel like better she go now um, to save ourselves the tears. Yeah. I just don't think she played all of her cards. Like she had such a good relationship, it seemed, with Noelle. Noelle of the Vessi tribe, who like has an in of sorts with Cody and Jesse. Janine knows that Cody has an idol. Noelle doesn't, as far as we know. Like, tell Noelle about Cody's idol and figure out how you can use that information to maybe, like, extort Cody and Jesse or, uh, like, pretend that you don't know that, but go and, like, really try to work with them because at least Janine has this in to Vessi via Noelle. And I just feel like there were some options not explored uh, as far as we saw. Do you want to talk about Tribal Council and Jeff and his line of questioning about societies and making your own... Survivor is made up of the rules that the players make up. I mean, at this point, to give it too much wind right now (laughs) is to sort of dignify it. It, it, It's almost like... It just makes me think about like the constant barrage of complaints about Elon Musk right now on Twitter, where I'm kind of like, well... The more we make him the center of all of our conversations, even if those conversations are that of outrage, and I'm not saying like this. Maybe this is not the best comparison <laughs> to make now that I'm like thinking it through. My point being, it's just like I don't want to keep 
talking about the fact, because, like, Jeff's just doing the thing that he clearly does all the time now, so I don't want to act as though I'm surprised by it anymore. This is the Jeff that we've become accustomed to. It just seems like Jeff is clearly on autopilot, and we are not the first people to mention the fact that I just think if there's one aspect of the show that I think needs to be retooled, if not the challenge design, it would be these tribals and how they function. And the reality is some tribals just don't require a lot of conversation. There's a world in which, obviously, as we know, these tribals in actuality take place over the course of hours. That's dwindled down to footage of five to 10 minutes. I think the editors can be more discerning about saying this episode will dedicate 10 minutes because the conversation you know, uh, warranted that. And then this tribal council, we might arrive, say some quick hellos and get right to the vote. Yeah. I just think it's odd to, and then in these moments when he does these big zoom outs, the way I read that is because there's nothing else game specific to talk about. So I I actually think- I couldn't imagine sitting through this for two hours. I would be bored, dead. And it's like, the question I have is like, how does Jeff feel about this right now? Is he gleeful at the fact that he's making these sort of like, you know, these connections to the way that this game is, you know, microcosm of the outside world? Or is there part of him that's like, am I still doing this? I think he loves it. And I think that there was a kernel of something interesting here where it was like almost the line of questioning was it wasn't direct enough, but he was basically like going person by person and being like, justify why you're not playing a game here or justify why your game is so subtle. And I feel like Jeff, there's a past version of Jeff where he has gotten like a little testy with players who are not uh, playing hard. And in a season where, I mean, like at this point he knows like, okay, they're they're playing it safe a little bit right now. Like usually the merge is a chaotic time. This one is not, uh, I don't know if that's going to be great for this show that I'm executive producing. So like, let's kick these players into gear. Yeah. But here he just, like, he didn't really take it any... He's kind of letting the players decide where this is all going. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right approach. Yeah. Something that I did think about, not quite related to Jeff, but in this moment, I'm sort of like, one thing about these last couple episodes is because there's no um, hourglass twist, because we have not used any of the advantages, there's really been... There's been a little bit of idle talk, but no real like threat of idle usage. Uh, we have what, what what's the other one that the one where they can the one in six shot, the shot in the dark. This has been these past couple episodes have been more or less very pure. I mean, I obviously know there was the handing off of the idol in the last episode, but what I've enjoyed about this and probably what makes it more challenging from Jeff for, from Jeff's perspective is just that it's been very pure. The game has been very pure uh, mm-hmm. at this moment. And I think that's perhaps what's making us feel like there's an older school quality to these seasons, just because it is a straightforward game. And I, and I say that in a straightforward, I think in a net positive way um, that I think Jeff just like wants his twists and turns. No one's getting up at tribal council. I think he is, a ship without, do they say it's a ship without a rudder? Something. Ship without a captain? Ship without a sail? Something. <laughs> <laughs> He's a boat without a paddle? What's that phrase? He's up, up Shit's Creek, Creek without a paddle? Yeah. Although, like, that phrase is, like, depleted now because of I know, yeah. The show. Okay. <laughs> Shit's Creek is funny girl to me. 
I honestly have never watched an episode, and I have no interest. I mean, I I, I, I revealed to you, you had no response to this. I revealed I, to you Wait, this sorry, week. sorry. I did have a response to this. Sorry, I was so busy Googling it after you told me, I forgot to follow up, but please proceed. Uh, I revealed to you this week that uh, my, my first foray into episode recaps was that I was a panelist on The Hills After Show, with, uh, which at the time was hosted by uh, uh, Canadian TV personality Jesse Cruikshank, as well as Dan Levy, who was not a star at the time. He was just an MTV VJ in Canada. And so I was on a couple of episodes of The Hills After Show Season 2, which do not exist on the internet anymore. You cannot find them. I looked. There's nothing. Thank God. Because my eyebrows, nothing was good. Um, But I did did talk to Whitney Port via phone on the show. I was supposed to talk to LC, but they had to rearrange the seating for the show. And I lost the question in that rearrange. And I'll never, I'll never forget I'm so sorry. So, it's interesting, yeah. though, because in Googling this, I did not know that Dan Levy had, like, a pre-Shits Creek life. And it was just such a reminder of the fact that, like, it's so easy to bury your past when you're a famous person. Oh, yeah. Um, if you, It's, like, it reminds me of the Kim Kardashian, where it's, like, there's going to be a generation of people that will never know about this sex tape. Like, she has freed herself from that, I think, um, for the most part. And I just think it's interesting that it's, like, Dan Levy had this whole, like other career at, at one time and then now is always going to be and in the moment he's going to be the guy from Shit's Creek and I'm sure he'll have something else will come along and suddenly he'll be the guy from blah 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 it's just it's fascinating how that works there's a lot of like, and like at the time he was not out of the closet right so uh, like particularly on the Hills After Show it was always like oh like Whitney looks so hot in this scene uh. like whatever <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you could tell you knew, wait that's you like knew. the <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. I'll bite my tongue. And also, it was just like he was—he was truly nobody. It was like, oh my god, Eugene Levy's son is on MTV. That was—that was the gag. Um, and now, look at him now. Um, but it's I didn't like have the best experiences with Dan Levy. And like the crazy thing about the show was that Jesse Crookshank is a fucking superstar. His co-host. And then he's the one that becomes the superstar. It was so frustrating to watch at the time. So that's why, like, I just have some issues around. I have some personal issues that I can't get over with Shit's Creek. So how many followers? Maybe one day I'll watch it. How many followers does Jesse Crookshank have today? Uh, I would say like fourteen thousand. Wow, Sean, she's got one hundred (laughs) and (laughs) forty-eight. Well, she's like she kind of gets. There's this wait. She's got good engagement. Star making machine. She's what? She's got good engagement. Okay, how many likes did her Halloween flashback post get from October 30th of this year? Flashback post? Is it just her? Uh, no, it's her, the husband, and the three kids. Uh, 42,000. Sean, 42,000 off of a follower count of 141,000? That would be like a third of her followers. That's too much. <laughs> <laughs> You think a third, who gets a third of their follower engagement on anything? I don't know what you're saying if that's too big or too small. It's way too big. Okay, anyway, she got 11,000 likes on her Halloween. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. (laughs) Look, Instagram is not my medium. I I know Twitter ratio is way better than I know Instagram ratios. I don't know. You say Instagram is not your medium, but you're very good at Instagram. I yeah, but like, I, I, I don't have I don't have experience dealing with like big numbers on Instagram. Fair I have enough. experience dealing with big numbers on Twitter. Fair. Not on SodaPub, on 
deja the view. By so. the way, thank you for heeding my advice and putting the Judd pictures on the grid. For those of you that haven't seen, Survivor season 21 winner Judd, what's his last name? Burza. Whatever. Judd. Just call him Judd. Who's off the radar. Like, he does not exist on the internet. You can call He's, him Fabio. He's known mm, as Fabio. Mm. These new photos of him recently surfaced. I'm feeling the second photo more than the first because the first yeah, is a little, the face is a little, like, fillery. Okay. Not that I think he has filler, but I just think it's, it's very square. But he is looking fantastic. But then also, thank you, Sean, slide three, we get a reminder of his time on season 21, and it's like, I think kind of underappreciated hot person. Yeah, I, I'll tell you why I didn't default to Grid. It's because I felt a little bad because because Fabio has disappeared. Uh, and these photos surfaced on Twitter and someone was like, I found them on Facebook. And so like, I felt a little bit like, is this like posting pictures of Colleen Haskell where like this person doesn't want to be seen? But then I thought about it and I was like, look, we have like a thousand followers. Like, who cares? We have 1,800, you know I mean? excuse me. <laughs> We've got good engagement for that number, though. Mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so what do we have to say left? Uh, Janine gets nine votes. Ryan gets two votes. Interesting that Cassidy votes for Ryan. I think that's because it was like, well, probably two things. One, she was like putting her foot down about it. But two, just in case Janine plays the shot in the dark. I think we've seen lots of stray votes. And that's probably the reason why, though there's no talk about shot in the dark. So I think that's what explains it. I do have a voicemail. Let's play it here. Hey, Sean and Evan. My name is Etta and I'm calling in from the UK, more specifically Manchester. And I really enjoyed this episode up until when Janine went home. And I think that was because I got really swept up in the editing. And I really did believe that they were going to turn on Ryan. Maybe that was my fault. So... My question for you guys is, how much does the editing affect your watch experience? Are you getting swept up in it or are you watching it skeptically or some combo of the two? And who do you think this season is getting the biggest winner's edit? Thank you guys so much for the podcast. I really, really enjoy it. And just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Bye. I love Manchester. Yeah. That's such a sweet voice memo and such a great question. In 2019, I flew to Manchester to watch the Spice Girls perform on the their Spice, Spice Girls tour without Victoria. Mm. I think Had their the catalog time. is a little overrated. Look, <laughs> we're not getting into that again. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I did enjoy that David Beckham uh, video that he recently shared. Loved. of, And I loved Emma's purse. Did you clock her at the purse? How did it was not like see all, the purse. So it's a heart, but the the half of the heart is the handle, and then the other half of oh. the heart is the bag. Oh, fun. It was really cute. Victoria definitely didn't design it. Um, <laughs> so to answer your question, I am very cognizant of the edit. I would say some of the fun that I, I sort of have chosen to see it as is kind of understanding when I feel that I can get ahead of the editors, and sometimes I can and sometimes I can't, which I don't think is like a discredit to them or credit to me or vice versa. But like there are moments um, like in this episode with the Jesse reveal where it's like you couldn't possibly have known that. But there are other times that I feel like, for instance, I was able to, I knew it was Janine going home because as I said earlier, they had not, Sammy, they had made Sammy such a main character in this episode. Sammy had never pursued going after and flipping two people. 
so in those moments, I'm sort of like, I work to get ahead of it. Um, but I'm also very aware of the fact, I think in large part because of the conversations that you and I have had with former players on this show, that there are just entire plot points that we don't see. And the one thing I always try to be really aware of is that a lot of times two players that you've never seen talk might be best friends. Like, sure, you get seasons like Parvati and Amanda on 16 where you see the relationship, you see them going off together, but I think that there are times that the show just doesn't have the opportunity because of the constraints of the time to showcase things. So, like, for instance, there's a moment when Owen wins this week's uh, competition and they do the flash of the group. And James seems to be genuinely happy for him in that moment. And it was a moment like that where I was like, I bet you James and Owen are close or are cool or, or have had moments where they've connected. We just are given a story in which it's like, we need people to be at odds. So I think that I always am open to the idea of people that appear to be strangers our best friends or vice versa. Or like when you see a big fight play out, I'm willing to say that it's like five minutes later, they hugged it out and apologized, but we just didn't see it. That's sort of my, how I, how I view it. Yeah. I'm very skeptical. I'm a very skeptical watcher, especially of modern survivor, probably like post like, I don't know, 20, probably post redemption Island. Maybe Uh, I started becoming very skeptical and I can't get out of that. And so like I watch very, very skeptically. I watch with very, harsh eyes and i don't really like i don't ever get lost in the show very very rarely do i get lost in the show and usually that would be like during a challenge or something where i don't have i feel like i don't have to be paying attention to what's being done to me or like what's being done to the show um but it's funny because like going back and rewatching borneo or anytime i go back and rewatch an old school season it's like I don't think about the edit at all, except that I'm like, oh, it's funny they didn't like include this scene that they're now all talking about. Uh, I don't think about how the edit manipulates the story or anything like that. I kind of like just give it, it is what it is. And I find myself getting lost in it more. And maybe it's because the game was simpler and there wasn't so much going on. But I just feel like it's, I don't know the answer. I don't know why, but it's interesting to me that I can I can shut that part of my brain off if I'm watching an old school season, but in the new school, it's it's impossible to shut off. And then to answer the question of the winners edit, I think that it just it changes week to week, right? Because it's like last week I would have said that Gabler was given a way stronger winners edit than he was this week because he just simply wasn't a big part of this episode, whereas. Owen, for instance, was featured a ton in this episode, but by next week might be entirely gone. Um, I would say there's a number of people I know we've mentioned Sammy, we've obviously mentioned Carla, I think Jesse is up there, Gabler's up there. I would say one of the things working in this season's favor is the fact that there are uh, many contenders for who is being given a winner's edit. And I would say the current game, like who's, who's in the mix right now, there's a lot of, I think we're going to get a memorable winner, um, mm. no matter what. There are very few people left. The only, I mean, I would say Cody would not be a memorable winner, and Ryan, I don't think, would be a memorable winner. Outside of that, I could. I feel like everyone would be bringing something to the table. Do you, What do you mm. think? What about Cassidy? I think Cassidy would be memorable. Okay. Yeah, I think, possibly. I think there's a lot. I think Cassidy's got more gas in her tank. Um, and I think that we, I'm going to use a word that she used to describe, what was his name? 
the gay that went home? Geo. Geo. Uh, sassy. I think uh, uh, Cassidy has a sassy quality that we have not gotten in a winner probably since Michelle. Yeah, true. That's true. I think that at this point right now, and I'm not just saying this based on last night's episode, and you can rewind the tapes because I've been saying it since episode one. I think Sammy's getting the winner edit. Uh, however, I also think that Jesse could very well be the winner. I think that Carla's going to get close to the end, but possibly not get into the final three. I think if she was in the final three, there'd be a very good chance she could win. Um, but the sense I'm getting is that like we're meant to like adore Carla and that she will like sort of fall at some point, yeah. very sadly, and she'll get that music. So uh, that's the impression I'm getting from the edit. So I think it's, for me, it's either clearly Sammy or clearly Jesse at this mm. point. The last thing I just want to say, just about in looking at this season as a whole so far, is just like, it's so easy to talk about these last couple episodes. There is so much happening in terms of relationships and dynamics and strategy and where things can go from here, as opposed to those first few episodes where I think we and definitely some other podcasts were struggling to sort of like find areas of interest. So I am really feeling very good about season 43, both in enjoying this last batch of episodes, but also feeling like there's a lot of uh, interesting things that lie ahead that have been set up. And, and again, I think going back to like that pureness of the game is really enjoyable. So with that in mind, we did our little check-in uh, several weeks ago. I think uh, in lieu of our standard emoji, I'd like to sort of get, the, I, mentioned, I mentioned wanting to crunch some numbers. So we have that data of where people were at several weeks ago. I'd like us to do another comment with how you're feeling about season 43, these first eight episodes. Please use the, the number emojis. So do not use the number one, but rather the emoji one or the emoji six or the emoji 10. Is there an emoji 10 or is it emoji one zero? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. So use the emojis. Then I the mathematician that I am, I'm going to, I'm going to collect the data from the first round that we did this and the second round and at the top of next week's episode in lieu of a funny girl uh, review, I will share with you, Sean, and you, our listeners, where where we're at. Wow, I can't wait for this. I have a bad feeling a lot of people aren't feeling very high on this episode after Janine's exit. So we'll wait, see. You think that, that may sour, that may sour the number. Wait, wait, but let's be clear. I'm not asking for your thoughts. This is not a review of episode eight. This is a review of episodes one through eight. Mm -hmm. Cumulative. Yeah. Okay. Great. Love that. <laughs> okay. So with that, let's wrap it up. We have some winners in, in the queue for our next interview. We'll see who it is. We've got some great names lined up. So planning on that, we also have maybe uh, another winner who has been on this show in the past, uh, ready to come on and give their thoughts on Survivor 43 in the coming weeks on the main feed. So that will be fun. If you want to join us uh, back on our rewatch of Borneo, we just posted the episode uh, reviewing, rewatching episodes five to seven. So we're now at the merge in Borneo. That is on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash drop your bus. And our first round of merch is going live. It's technically live right now. I'm just like really scared to like share it because I just want to make sure it works. <laughs> I have to say, it's really hard to make a uh, 
web Shopify website. It's uh, like incredibly difficult. You would think they'd figure this out by this point, but so I, I just I, I want to do some troubleshooting here, but <laughs> <laughs> but it is coming. It's coming. I'm very excited for that because it's been a long uh, time coming. So. Drop your buffs merch coming. We have a few uh, designs right now and we are working on some more. I'm very excited to share those. Okay, with that, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review and follow us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. Until next time, bye. Bye.